Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of Drive Through FM. We've got a lot of topics to talk about today, uh, but the first thing I want to do is thank and welcome all the new subscribers to the audio podcast. We had a bump of about 300 folks uh, jump on and subscribe, so that's awesome. Welcome, thank you for joining us, and thanks for listening. Uh, again, if you ever have any questions or feedback or anything, feel free to post comments probably over on the YouTube channel because this is sort of a simulcast. It'll be on the audio feed as well as the YouTube channel with some visual aids. Uh, so today we're going to do a couple of topics. I'm going to talk about Tabletop Showcase, which was announced a couple of weeks ago. That's uh, myself and Rodney Smith, and, excuse me, Rodney Smith, and some of my other friends putting together some stuff that will be dropping right after Origins. And then I will talk about Origins and specifically four games that I'm looking forward to. And then we'll jump into a topic I hope people don't get too sticky on, but it's just been a buzzing in my head. We're going to talk about dogma and games, which should be super fun, uh, but hopefully the topic is fun and I'm going to try to make it fun. Uh, so let's just jump in and I'll talk about Tabletop Showcase. So if you didn't see the announcement about that, I posted about it on social media. This is basically uh, myself, Rodney Smith from Watch It Played, uh, the folks over at the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast, uh, the folks at the Rolling Dice and Taking Names Podcast, uh, Chaz Marler from Paradise Paradise, and Matt Evans and all his friends at Board Game Replay. So we're going to be doing a week-long exclusive coverage of The Godfather from Simon Inc. Uh, it's designed by Eric Lang, and it's going to be the first video from Jamie uh, from the Secret Cabal is going to be dropping on Monday, June 19th, followed by uh, How to Play by Rodney, and then I'm going to be doing like a playthrough and kind of an analysis, strategic, uh, in-depth kind of thing, and there's also going to be an interview with the Rolling Dice Taking Names, that's going to be Eric Lang uh, being interviewed by uh, Tony and Marty, and then Chaz Marler is going to do an interesting kind of video dissection of the movie and the game and kind of a comparison there. And then finally, chat or uh, Matt Evans is going to wrap up uh, with, I believe, several games. He might even do multiple videos. I'm not sure. I know he's still working on the content. Uh, his kind of post-game uh, reduction and playthrough kind of after-the-fact kind of thing with a lot of his friends. I know he's had a chance to play with several different groups, so I'm excited to see kind of the varied responses that come out of that. So this is something that's been kicking around. It's kind of the brainchild of Mr. Smith that Watchard played. And we've all been kind of bantering back and forth over the last several years, frankly, of like trying to do something together. Because we all kind of work on our own silos. Uh, you know, we don't really, I, th I think I could speak for the rest of them, don't really want to be too like tied into a larger group, like constantly, you know, having the commitment of that. We know we like to do our own thing. Uh, but we want to get together because we like each other's work. We've become friends you know, real true friends over the last couple of years. And it's just an opportunity to kind of work together on a single project. Uh, right now we're planning to do it like once or twice a year, but this is a good way to do something that I think myself and the other folks involved, as well as I think I, I get this kind of feedback from you all is more of a kind of a slow burn, uh, more of a deep dive on a game. So we're gonna do like a theme study Jamie's going to do that. Roddy's going to do the how to play. I'm going to do the walkthrough. There's going to be an interview with the designer. Chaz is going to have kind of a special angle piece. And then you've got Matt with all of his, you know, kind of a pseudo real-time playtesting feedback kind of thing. So there's going to be a lot of angles, a lot of points of view. So it'll be, give you a you know, kind of a deep dissection of the game 
uh, just prior to release. So we're all excited about it. I've had a great time playing uh, The Godfather. I think I'm up to seven or eight plays. I've kind of lost, stopped keeping track of my count. Uh, but really been enjoying the game, and hopefully you enjoy all of our content. So definitely uh, take a look for that dropping right after Origins. And then speaking of Origins, I'll be attending that convention, as well as most of the folks involved with Tabletop Showcase. We're definitely going to meet up there and play some games. Uh, the four games that I'm looking forward to, now Origins isn't really a big you know, release con. It's not like Gen Con or Essen, but there's definitely some new stuff that's going to be dropping there, at least stuff that's new to me. So I'll just kind of quickly talk about those four games. The first one in the list, and this isn't really in order or anything, is Codenames Duet. Uh, this is basically two-player codenames, or, or effectively co-op codenames, where you're kind of giving clues to each other. Both teams are giving clues to each other, trying to avoid the assassin together. So that's really, really cool because it makes it a lot easier to play with an odd number of players. You can play it with three players. You can have two on one side, one on the other. So there's been a lot of times when I want to play code names, but we just, we don't have enough people. We don't have at least four. And, you know, this is going to give you just a complete twist on how to play that because code names has really been, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent because I, there was one player person that I know that wasn't really a big fan of it but that's one out of I don't know how many different people I've played it with so it's like a 99.9% success rate uh, with Codenames so I'm really excited to look at Duet uh, the next one is another two player game it's Caverna Cave versus Cave so this is kind of your two player reduced version of Caverna similar to the Agricola all creatures big and small and that's frankly the reason that I'm excited about it because I really enjoy all creatures big and small and I really enjoy Caverna and if you can give me a kind of a condensed uh, kind of dwarf king uh, type of attitude and the theme and all that stuff excavating your cave and having some worker placement stuff and a nice compact game I'm super excited to uh, play that and I do hope to get a chance to play test that and maybe pick up a copy at Origins I know it's going to be for sale there uh, and Mayfair's bringing that out so that one I'm super excited about as well. The next game is called The Hunt for the Ring, and or it's The Hunt of the Ring. I think it's The Hunt of the Ring. And this is by the designers of The War of the Ring. And it's sort of a, call it like Fury of Dracula, Scotland Yard type of hidden movement deduction type of game where you're just kind of moving the ring around and that's all it is. But it's broken up into kind of two parts. So you can effectively play the game uh, in two sessions. You can play the first half and then the second half, and that's super intriguing. And of course, the theme really kind of jives with me because I do like War of the Ring. I'm not a super Lord of the Rings fan, but I do enjoy the movies and, and the Hobbit book. I didn't really like the the trilogy, so maybe I shouldn't admit that <laughs> on the internet, but I really didn't really care for the Lord of the Rings books. But uh, anyway, I like the theme. It's kind of your pure high fantasy, and so I'm really excited to hopefully get at least a demo or at least a kind of a brief overview of the game at Origins uh, to take a look at that. It's not going to be for sale there, uh, but Ares Games, who's publishing this, is going to also have a Sword and Sorcery, I believe, which is a dungeon crawl that I was I would say I would be more excited about a year ago, but I'm frankly kind of burned out on dungeon crawls, especially with Gloomhaven and all that kind of stuff. So I'm still excited to look at it, but it's just not as you know prevalent as it was earlier. So I'd be looking at that one too at their booth. Uh, but that that's Hunt of the Ring. I'm super excited about that one. It looks like a very different twist on the hidden movement type of game. And the last thing, and I'm kind of super bummed because all of the demos are booked up for this, and I'm not sure 
if they're going to have a booth or not. But Modiphius is bringing out a Fallout miniatures game. So it's based on the Fallout video game series. Looks like it's mostly based on Fallout 4 and Fallout 3, basically. And it's going to be kind of a miniature skirmish game, but it's also supposed to support co-op, which is really cool. I had a lot of fun playing Walking Dead All Out War, which is a co-op miniatures game, which is something we really just don't see. But you can also play this Fallout game competitively as well. And it looks like they have a pretty large scale for the miniatures. I believe they're 32 millimeter, which is sort of disappointing because I can't really splash it in with a lot of other games, but you know, whatever. But I'm a huge fan of Fallout 3. I would say that was probably one of my favorite video games of all time. It's definitely in the top five. I played the full base game and every piece of downloadable content, and I've never ever done that for any other game other than the original Fallout 3. Uh, so I'm really excited to take a look at this. And I, if you watch my videos or listen to anything I've said, you know, I really like Frostgrave. I'll be dropping a review of Shadow War Armageddon after Origins. I've had a chance to play that seven times now. And uh, I'm really enjoying that. So I'm really kind of a fan of these smaller scale skirmish games. You just need, you know, five to ten miniatures and the games take place in about an hour. So this is really going to jive with me. So hopefully I can get some kind of demo or look at it because all of the demo events that are there booked out right away. I, I didn't even get a chance to sign up for them. They were booked up so fast. Uh, there was only a handful of them. There was maybe half a dozen. But hopefully it's floating around and I can kind of snag one of the Modiphius folks and say, show this to me. <laughs> So that's kind of your quick overview of the four games I'm super excited about. I believe there was a handful of others that I was at least somewhat intrigued by, but that's the four I'm really, really interested in. So wrapping that up, I want to move into this topic of dogma in games or dogma in gaming. And I want to kind of just preface this with two things. One, this has been on my mind, I would say, for at least a year or two, but it's probably been in the back of my head for decades. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, this is going to be kind of a cathartic thing for me just to kind of get this off my chest. It's not usually a topic I would bring up like in casual situations because it's a little bit heavy and it can be heavy. And this kind of brings me to the second point of why I want to bring it up. Um, I have I had a mentor. She passed away uh, growing up in high school and we used to talk uh, deep. She was my art teacher, uh, not in school. She lived around the corner for me and used to go there and paint and draw and she taught me all kinds of good stuff and we would uh, you know the conversation would go where it will and one quote that she told me in, in addition to many others was that when people discuss certain topics and we were specifically talking about religion it always was a wonder to her and somewhat bothered her that you couldn't discuss it in a fun way and there was there was a lot more to that conversation but that quote is what kind of sticks out to me is because, and I know I'm stepping into some muddy ground here, but I just want to get this off my chest. And I'm, again, I want to double down on the fun part of this because to me uh, and to her, and we kind of both agreed back then was that there's certain topics that you should be able to kind of push a little bit on and you should do it in a way of kind of whimsy and sort of innocence and not really knowing because a lot of times you don't know the answer or the answers are so difficult and hard to penetrate and to get through that uh, coming at it with a fun attitude and an attitude of play, for example, is uh, is a really healthy a way to go about it. And that is just really stuck with me for my entire life, moving into my adult life. And so that's where I kind of wanted to come in with this 
It's just, please know that I'm trying to do this in a fun way. And I hope it's a little bit of a lighthearted subject that we, we jump into. So first I'm going to divert from a religion from now, and I'm going to talk about just a couple of things and it's going to come back to gaming. I promise you. Uh, the first thing that you often see though, is you see a lot of dogma and dogma basically means you kind of adhere to a strict set of rules. You set up a lot of parameters. You set up a lot of like gateways that people have to pass through to get into your circle or get into the conversation or get into your community. And, and you sometimes with dogma, a lot of times you will sort of lose the inner spirit, the core of what, you know, caused the community to grow or caused whatever to happen. And you see a lot of this a lot of times in fandom and you get a lot of people like if you start discussing, I say Star Wars with certain people, I would say not most people, but certain people that you discuss it with, uh, they'll throw up walls and barriers if you get like the name of a character wrong or something like that. I mean, we've all kind of run into people like that or run into situations maybe where you come into a conversation and you get kind of ostracized, whether subconsciously or not, because you didn't know somebody's name or the right name of the engine in the Millennium Falcon or something like that. And you see a lot of that. And it's it's pretty unhealthy and it's not a great thing. Uh, but that's one thing that I think I've seen a lot of people try to start to move through and move past. And that's a good healthy thing because you start to get rid of all of those extra tidbits and details and get again to the core of why certain things are important to you. Like I can tell you uh, deeply why Star Wars in some ways is important to me. And it frankly has nothing to do with the science fiction of it. It has more to do with the Vader-Luke relationship. You know, that is what is possessed me since the moment, uh, you know, I watched those films. But anyway, I think there's a lot of good articles and things about that and about people just kind of holding on too tight to their geekdom, to their fandom. And it's something that can carry you through. It's something that can help you escape. Uh, but again, if you kind of hold on to it too tight, it can become, uh, in some situations, not a great thing. And kind of bringing this back into the gaming side of it, and one thing that I've been thinking a lot about, because I've been personally watching a lot of battle reports on YouTube for miniatures games and listening to a lot of miniatures podcasts, I would say, and this would just kind of be general advice for folks, is stop watching the same reviewers, stop listening to the same podcasts, stop reading the same blog articles. Go and try to read and view and listen to all these different folks to help you get a different perspective on games. So kind of my own history to sort of provide evidence of that being effective for me is when I started getting into the gaming, you know, in a hardcore way, I did a lot of visiting of board game geek, my group way back last decade or more was really into Euro games. Uh, even though I had played personally a lot of Ameritrash style games, maybe going back five years or so. And then of course, coming up when I was smaller, you'd play what you call your Ameritrash games. So my perspective and my prism became very much couched in kind of the BGG board game geek atmosphere, which is at that time, especially uh, heavy into the drier euros and all that stuff. And so that kind of started to form my vocabulary form my perspective. And there's a lot of good benefit out of that. I learned a lot of good vocabulary. I learned a lot of interesting things about game design or just unlocked a lot of things, what games could even actually be, you know, stuff I'd never would have thought of. So that was very, very cool and very healthy, but it also kind of skewed me a little bit. And it, so it took some time playing games with different folks and listening to other different people to kind of unlock those other parts that I had kind of locked away and hidden that I could start to get into stuff. And now I've been playing miniature games. So you can see, obviously, uh, you know, playing like Warhammer 40K is a lot different than playing Kalos, but somehow I can manage to do both and enjoy both. Um, and so a lot of that has been just exposing myself to 
other perspectives, other folks who have come across, at least to me, as in a sincere, you know, enthusiastic manner. Again, there's some of that, there's that essence, that core that they had. They, we weren't necessarily speaking the same language to start, but then you could kind of like just sit there and meditate with them and investigate a little bit and then start to sort of get a little bit out of what they're presenting. And one just kind of concrete example to give you something to kind of ground yourself in on this is I started listening to the Lords of the Dungeon podcast. Now, this is from the Secret Cabal folks. Uh, it's Jamie and I believe Steve and some other folks that aren't on the normal podcast. And they talk a lot about role-playing games, which I have had very, very little experience with. I've been in two kind of half-baked D&D campaigns in my life and played a one-shot of the end of the world. And I think that's about it in terms of like real strict traditional RPGs. And they had a recent episode. I think it was the most recent. So it'd be episode four. It was either episode three or four. I forget. And they brought up a good point of the dungeon master and their perspective. And the dungeon master is going to come in. They're going to create and erect this world. They're going to plan out this huge campaign. They're going to want the players to go down the left fork in the path. And the players may decide to go to the right fork in the path. And the one quote that really stood out to me uh, by, I believe Jess said it on the podcast, is letting go of owning your story as the DM and letting the other players kind of infuse that story. And I thought that was so just perfect for what I've been thinking about and meditating about this month in terms of preparing for this podcast. And it really just like a light bulb went off in terms of like all of these different kind of worlds that we can step into as gamers in terms of theme, in terms of mechanics and all that kind of good stuff and the stuff that you can kind of expose yourself to and you kind of construct these rules and these walls and these laws in this social contract that you agree with everybody at the table that you're going to play in a certain way. And that's going to evolve over the course of the play, especially in an RPG. I mean, more highlighted even in an RPG is you set up all these rules and everything and everybody's going to then agree to them. And that's just 100% of the time going to morph over time. It's not going to be what you expect. The end is not going to be how you planned it. And that's so much like life in general. And I just thought like, what, what kind of a powerful tool gaming is and games can be for folks to kind of step out, sort of create like you call it a safe space and to get out of the reality or whatever is bothering you, you're busy at work, something horrible happened in your life. And it gives you that space to sort of escape, set up rules, go down a path, and even explore maybe some important parts of reality. And this is a process that I feel like I've been going through in a lot of ways without really knowing it. Uh, I've said this a few times when folks said, hey, why did you start doing videos way back when? You know, what was the impetus? And for me, initially, it was like, okay, these games are awesome. I love them why are they doing this to me? What's happening? I don't understand this. We set up some cardboard or whatever, and then I'm able to just have this great experience and have this great time and be able to talk about it for weeks on end after the game is over and all that kind of stuff. And that was the initial impetus. So like, okay, I'm going to make videos. By making videos, doing kind of instructional how-tos and a little bit of review and analysis, I'll be able to, through that process of doing several hundred videos or whatever, hopefully one day kind of figure out you know, why they're doing this and, you know, how it, all the pieces fit together and all that kind of good stuff. And that's really kind of evolved for me beyond that initial uh, experience where initially I was kind of just very focused on mechanics and dissecting how all the little building blocks fit together in that real kind of abstract pieces of that. But 
as I've kind of gone along, you start to see a lot of similarities. You know, everybody talks about, oh, this game's samey. All these Euros are samey. All these Ameritrash games are samey. You know, why am I always rolling two or three or 10 D6s for combat? You know, so you kind of start to move through all of those sort of rudimentary mechanics and get to the actual experience of it. And I think I kind of see this in other folks, too, that I've known and played games with for, you know, a period of several years now where they don't just really like push for new mechanics all the time, even though, you know, man, I still do that. If I see some cool new Essen game that comes out and it has some really funky twist on, you know, worker placement or whatever, uh, that still excites me. But, you know, now we're kind of moving into this otherworldly thing where I feel like I'm kind of getting beyond the game part of it, where it's more like, oh, hey, I'm jumping into this other experience. And I talked a few years ago about Freedom the Underground Railroad, which is a very serious, you know, deep, complex, horrific, uh, important topic talking about the abolition of slavery. And, you know, who the heck really wants to play a game or quote unquote have fun doing something like that? And that game is not really fun. I mean, it can be thrilling and exciting as you succeed and fail and you're trying to, you know, complete this goal of, you know, freeing slaves physically up the board as well as kind of uh, negotiating the card draft, which is sort of like, you know, lobbying Congress or whoever to actually pass abolition. But I think it's 100% a, a legitimate uh, type of experience to have. And that's just the type of thing that I, I just want to encourage people to open themselves up to and let themselves get in there and just feel these certain kinds of experiences. I know that's a very deep and heavy one, and not everybody's going to be really jazzed about doing that. But it's just an example of such a boundary and a, just a wall you can break down and move into and really get beyond just I'm going to sit down and play a game and I'm just going to you know push some cubes around or roll some dice or whatever it really starts to I, at least for me it's felt like it's really informed my life and I've learned a lot from it and it's one thing I want to try to do and learn how to do better in terms of the reviews and the videos and everything is talk about games uh, in that way and, and I know that sometimes it's hard to talk about games and you, you want to leave it in such a way that everybody can access your content I mean that's something I'm certainly cognizant of like I don't use a lot of f-bombs and things in my reviews but I might use actually when I play a game jokingly with my friends as we're playing a one-night ultimate werewolf or whatever but we all know each other we're all comfortable with each other so that's a different kind of thing but my point is, is that it's tricky sometimes to step into these subjects in a world where people aren't expecting you to cover uh, topics in that way. But I do think people are ready for this. I think gaming itself is kind of ready for this kind of approach in a more ubiquitous way. And I just kind of want to wrap up this topic where just to kind of give you my personal perspective. And I, I think this has something to do with my age, but I'm not really sure. It's hard to kind of know what your sort of biases are when you self-reflect because you know I was born in California and blah 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 grew up in suburbia but my personal thing is I kind of like things a little messy I like things with a little bit of grit grime imperfection uh, I like when things sort of look into an abyss and persevere in the face of it uh, you know whatever tool or trick or game or icon or whatever they use to kind of get themselves through that is that's interesting to me I mean, the analogy I kind of usually think of is, you know, when I was a kid and I would play basketball and everybody kind of does this when they play basketball as a kid, they kind of imagine hitting the game winning shot uh, in the NBA finals, which is going on right now as I record this. And life's just not like that. Like you never really see somebody hit a game winning shot to win game seven of the NBA finals. That just doesn't happen. I don't even know if that has, has actually ever happened. 
uh, life doesn't go that way and uh, games don't always have to go that way and so I think that's an interesting sort of aspect of games that's very hard to sort of verbalize and review and analyze is that kind of that sort of gray matter that sort of underpinning of the tough decision the decision of being paradoxical and you don't always know the best decision uh, you know like you can say you know that if we spend so much on this program as a country then this will happen but you don't know what will happen if you spend five billion dollars on this or if you spend two billion on this and two billion on this you really don't know the full side effects everybody's like trying their best usually most people are trying their best and so that is an interesting thing i think games can allow you to get in there and not really simulate but experience and step out of yourself and so if you step in these different style of games then you know you i think you're going to learn a lot and that's just what i'm kind of trying to express is kind of breaking down maybe your identity or whatever you are whoever you call yourself and stepping into these other worlds and trying to just sort of practice at being somebody else and that's really what role-playing games do a great job of as well uh, but it's just i've just seen this so much happen to me over the last you know especially the last two years like i said with freedom with playing miniature games kind of getting over myself with the whole like rolling 40 d6s which actually is not really a terrible mechanic i mean i'm, I'm talking I'm reverting now to mechanics talk but playing games like the social deduction games like uh, the resistance and Un one night ultimate werewolf and stuff like that and just bouncing all over the spectrum and seeing how those kind of games all the different kind of games kind of inform each other so anyway i feel like i'm going to ramble if i talk too much more in detail about this um, but let's just talk about kind of the bonus random pop culture geekery thing which i always like to end with and I'll just talk about uh, two things. Uh, the first one I'll talk about, because it sort of does relate to the topic, I've been watching a lot of House of Cards, which is an interesting Netflix series about uh, this couple, uh, Frank Underwood and Claire Underwood and their politicians. And I don't really want to spoil the story, but they're not great people. <laughs> By and they're like, they're terrible, horrible people. But it's interesting this last season, I watched season five, and things start to kind of get flipped on their head. I mean, everything is always getting flipped on their head in that show. But if you're caught up to season five, it's very, very interesting to me how this kind of wrapped up and where everybody's kind of positioned now and sort of the reaction of, especially the people kind of around Frank and the people sort of competing with Frank and how his sort of seed of his personality and his sort of badness, his evilness has sort of, infected others in a way and they're reacting in certain ways and now it's like okay all of this stuff that they're going through and these these laws that they're breaking and everything that they're doing wrong you know how that's kind of blowing back and is everything kind of worth it at this point everything that they've done to get where they're at and really what is the ultimate goal there for them and is that goal even worthy of a goal and so is it a good goal you know so what are your goals and that kind of thing. So it's, it's really involved with it. It's hard to talk about without spoiling, but it does kind of tie into this. And it's kind of like what gets you up in the morning and all that. It's, it gets, it gets real heavy, but I've been watching that. I watched that season five. That was really fun. And then I've also been uh, just to kind of dovetail from the first episode of drive through FM. I'm about halfway through season two of the expanse. And I think I left and I said sort of season one was really good. And it kind of left me at a sour note, but season two is way better. It's so much better. A lot more action, a lot more evolution of some of the characters that I was more interested in. 
I think I said that the UN undersecretary or whatever her name was really kind of bugged me in the first season. But now I'm sort of, okay, I'm sort of vibing with her. I'm like, okay, I kind of got you now. I can see where you're going. I see how you're kind of playing games and trying to, you know, work up the best solution without exposing yourself too much. You know, she's a little bit more interesting now. And the plot's kind of moving along. I still am a little bit irked by the, uh, I'm just going to call it the main plot device, sort of the main uh, mystery that people are trying to figure out. That still kind of bothers me because it's it's sort of, it, it kind of, detaches me from the rest of the really cool gritty space theme stuff and you have this kind of strange thing and I'm again trying not to spoil uh, but you know I can kind of take that with a grain of salt because that's sort of the overarching I think plot device that's just sort of kind of pulling the puppet strings of the rest of the show sort of but yeah I definitely recommend uh, those two shows if you haven't uh, picked those up but yeah, that's just about it. This a little bit shorter than the last episode, but I do want to keep these around about a half hour or 40 minutes. And so definitely uh, give me a shout out if you see me at Origin, say hello. Uh, we will be doing, I think, a kind of a live Google Hangout on the drive-thru review channel with all of the folks from Tabletop Showcase. And all most, like I said, most of those will be going to Origin. So we'll have kind of an Origins recap as well. And I think the plan is, I probably shouldn't say anything, but I'm going to, because we're pretty sure we're going to do it. It's just kind of finding the time. I think the week after Tabletop Showcase, we're going to do some kind of hangout. So if you want to come on and talk about Tabletop Showcase, talk about the Godfather game, talk about Origins, uh, then you know we'll announce that and jump on there. It might be a week after that even, just given our schedules, coming back from Origins, dropping the Tabletop Showcase, and just trying to align everything with all of our real lives. Uh, but that's about it. So thanks for listening and watching if you're on YouTube. Uh, definitely leave any feedback or comments. And please try to do so in a fun way. I know I kind of skirted around some heavy topics and uh, hopefully didn't say anything to piss too many people off. I hope I didn't. Uh, but anyway, have a good time. And uh, definitely talk to me at Origins and say hello to me or tweet at me or whatever. Okay, thanks. See you next month. And we ride along the palisades Love is just a summer day If you hold too tight, it starts to fade Let it go